Coming up on This Week in Radio Tech, Larry Wilkins is here, and so is Frank Giardina, both Alabama engineers. Well, Larry's retired. Uh, he was around when Marconi was. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the Alabama Broadcasters Association Engineering Academy and how it's valuable for literally any engineer, from beginning to seasoned professionals, and especially good for IT people. We're going to find out about that. The ABA Engineering Academy is coming up next on Twert. This Week in Radio Tech is brought to you by Broadcasters General Store, with outstanding service, savings, and support online at bgs.cc. By Broadcast Bionics, with the Bionics Studio, including talk show control, social media, and visual radio, Broadcast Bionics brings exceptional audience engagement to radio and TV. By Angry Audio, audio problems disappear when you get angry at angryaudio.com. By Nautel, worry-free transmission you can count on with outstanding control, reliability, efficiencies, and Nautel's unmatched 24-7 customer support online at Nautel.com. And by MaxConnect Wireless, prioritized high-speed internet service designed for transmitter sites and remote broadcasts. Hey, welcome into This Week in Radio Tech, the show where we talk about everything from that uh, microphone to the light bulb at the top of the tower. And today, we're really going to be talking about that. I'm Kirk Harnack, your host. So delighted that you're here for our 680th episode. Uh, it is a Thursday when we're doing this live. We do the show almost every Thursday uh, live at 5 Eastern, 4 Central. What's that? 2 Pacific time and 3 in the mountains. Um, we've been doing the show for coming up on 15 years, and this is our 680th episode. So listen, I appreciate every one of you uh, viewers, engineers, and, and uh, people interested in radio engineering. Thanks for, for joining us. And, and we, we, yeah, we would be nowhere without you. Our show is sponsored. We've got about five sponsors on the show and appreciate your patronage of those sponsors. It really helps us out. And if they get feedback from you that you watch This Week in Radio Tech, of course, that's very helpful too. And if you watch us on uh, YouTube, uh, if you would like and subscribe to the channel, that would be wonderful as well. You can even get notified that there's a new episode uh, out there. Again, we do the show live on Thursdays, but then you know we kind of fix the show up. We've got a technical problem. We top and tail the show. Suncast, uh, our producer, puts that together, and then we publish it typically on Friday uh, for uh, for a permanent uh, showing. How about that? All right, uh, Chris Tarr normally is with us, and he's not today. He's handling a transmission line blowout in the Wisconsin Dells area at WNNO. So we wish uh, Chris uh, luck and uh, and skill at getting the, that problem fixed. I hope the weather's not not too bad. Uh, here in Nashville, we finally got rid of all that ice and snow that we had for a week, and it's just been raining for the past few days. We had terrible fog this morning, so it's just a typical, very dreary uh, January day here in Nashville. But enough about us. Let's check in with our guests. We got two of them, two guests. And the first one I want to bring in, a gentleman you've heard from before, and that's Larry Wilkins with the Alabama Broadcasters Association, the ABA. Larry, welcome in. Good to see you. Thank you very much, uh, Kirk. I'm glad to be here. And uh, we're sitting here and it's raining outside here. Not cold. It's up in the 70s, I think, but it's, at least it's not cold and freezing. Yeah, I agree. We're going to be talking to Larry in a few minutes about this um, Engineering Academy, which I think is fabulously interesting, the way they've put this together. We've got a second guest with us, an engineer friend of mine. I was going to say an old engineer friend of mine. I guess you're a couple <laughs> years older than I am. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, put your hands together for Frank Giardina. Frank, good to see you, sir. Well, hello. How is everybody doing? Uh, yeah, I, I am a little bit older than um, than you, I believe, Kurt. Cord my hair, anyway. It's kind of great. <laughs> but uh, that's it. And 
as Larry said, we've got rain here in Birmingham, and it is at least better than the 12 and 8 degree weather we had last week. So, Oh, my gosh. That was incredible. Yeah, we got down to two here in Nashville on a couple of occasions. Oh God. Frank, uh, I mean, I'm going to chat with you just a sec before we uh, we check in with okay. Nautel, one of our sponsors. Frank, uh, it seems like you and I uh, got to know each other a long time ago, maybe during, I think it may even been right at the beginning of the Rick and Bubba days. Uh, weren't you the engineer at the station that, that Rick and Bubba uh, do, do their show oh, from? Oh, yes. Oh yes, yes, that was a that was a real treat doing that. Um, it, it, one of the neat things about the Rick and Bubba show, one they have a lot of interesting friends. And one day I got uh, I was at the station, they were on the air, and I get a call from the front desk, and they said someone's up to see you. And there was a gentleman up there who says, "I'm from the FCC," and I said, uh, and he gave me his name, and I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, he said. I, I'm here to see Rick and Bubba. He said, don't worry. I'm not here to inspect you. I just want to see Rick and Bubba. <laughs> and, and I was, I was much relieved. Oh my gosh. What? Uh, I haven't watched them in so long. Are they still doing their show? And if so, from where? Oh yes. They're doing it uh, yeah. from uh, summit media here in Birmingham. They're still in Birmingham uh, and okay. they're, I think they're streaming it some uh, online at their website or something like that. But that's, there are characters. They're real characters. Oh, they are. They are. In they fact, really uh, I guess. Weird, they do some mm-hmm. weird stuff. They came to Montgomery and we did a remote out of the mall and they did turkey bowling. <laughs> they they bowled with frozen turkeys. They that's the turkey toss. The turkey toss, <laughs> yeah. And they would get oh these frozen gosh. turkeys and throw them out across the uh, parking lot to knock down the, the pins. <laughs> Gee, Christmas. That's something else. Um, all right. Well, hey, I, I, if I want to check up on, on Rick and Bubba, I guess I could uh, 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 call up uh, Jeff McGinley. Isn't he over at Summit these days in Birmingham? I'm not sure if he is or not. I, uh, what does he do? Is he on the air? Uh, I I thought he, I know uh, Jeff McGinley, I, I thought he was uh, hired as the uh, uh, director of engineering, uh, either no, for all Tom, of or. That's Tom, Tom Scott. Scott. Tom McGinley's son. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff McGinley. Yeah. Um, I, I hope I've got that right. Anyway, we, we, Jeff's been on, on the show before. Hey, uh, gentlemen, we'll be, we're going to talk about our main topic here in just a minute, and that is this amazing engineering academy. And it is really for engineers, young and old, uh, how Frank and Larry put this thing together. Uh, both Frank and Larry are instructors in the academy coming up in about a month. And in fact, uh, unless something goes wrong with the plan, we're going to do a torch show from the Engineering Academy at the end of one of the uh, instruction days. Um, in fact, it's it's going to be a, a day that's, I believe, heavy on on RF or, or anyway, we'll find out. We'll check. We'll check that out. Our show this week in Radio Tech is brought to you in part by Nautel, and they want me to keep you informed on their Transmission Talk Tuesday shows. We've got a quick video clip right here of some great information from Nautel from the Transmission Talk Tuesday. Let's take a look. One of the other things that uh, we wanted to talk about was site hardening. And this is just something I grabbed out of a YouTube video, somebody uh, throwing a uh, freezing rain shield over their uh, over their heat pump at their house. But uh, it's really not something that, uh, especially in cold weather country, that, uh, that you laugh at too hard because uh, having ice come off a tower and punch through the roof of a building can make a heck of a mess. 
It sure can. If you want lots more tips and about upcoming sessions and look at old sessions of Transmission Talk Tuesday, do that at nautel.com slash webinars. nautel.com slash webinars. And uh, we'll keep you informed when uh, Jeff Welton uh, starts those up again. He's been a busy dude, even through the holiday season. So uh, we'll keep you updated. And while you're there, of course, look at Nautel's fantastic transmitters, including the new GV2 series. So thanks, Nautel, for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. All right. I got an email, and I get an email every Monday morning from uh, the Alabama Broadcasters Association. And in fact, let's hit on that for a second. Um, Larry Wilkins, your Monday morning engineering email is a valuable piece of information. You seem to always be hitting the topic that I need to be reminded of or hear about at that time. How do you how do you do that? And how, how do people sign up for that engineering email? Well, I do that because I've been around so long. I've known a lot of things and a lot of people, and I just based it on experience that I've had and things that uh, I actually retired, you know, from full-time engineering back in 2007. So I put this newsletter together every – it goes out on Mondays from like uh, 520 uh, in the morning, I think it is, from Constant Contact. But I pick up different subjects uh, off the web or things that I know about, and the association that uh, we have with the with the FCC, we get a lot of information from them, and and primarily uh, good engineering practices. That's what I try to cover the most. So uh, this is this business, as everybody knows, is is really something that changes every day. And we tell the class members that come to our classes that one of the biggest things you need to develop, what type of trait you need to develop, is become a lifelong learner. So that's what this newsletter is all about, is just try to keep them up to date of what's going on in the industry and the FCC. And uh, so that's what we do with the, um, it's called Monday Morning Coffee and Technical Notes. And if you want to sign up for that, uh, where do you go? What's the website, Larry, to sign up for the Monday Morning? Uh, The website actually is to actually go to... um, um, well, we don't really have it on the ABA website. I need to put it on there. Oh, I guess. Okay. You can just send, you can just send me an email, uh, okay. at, uh, L Wilkins at al-ba.com and I'll, yep. and give me your email address and I'll be glad to add it to it. We right now it's going out to over 700 engineers. I will put that in the show notes and I, uh, um, and let's see, is there a, is there a web? Yeah, you can view it as a web page. Tell you what, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send that web page in the um uh in the chat here over to suncast our producer and m- when you get a chance suncast you might want to see if you can just pop that up so we can uh have have a look and show people what the uh, monday morning uh coffee and technical notes looks like uh larry this is a great service i, I you just seem to remind me of the things that i need to be thinking about at the right times it's very topical Ah, that was fast. Good job, Suncast. <laughs> this was from the uh, this this past uh, January twenty second, so from three days right. ago. Right. Uh, EAS updates. There's the webinar information, and then here's the academy information that we're here to talk about today. The whole uh, syllabus of what you're going to be talking about, and then the article about weather issues. Uh, FCC. Oh, and then then there's always a, an engineering award. <laughs> that picture right there. That- yeah, that picture. I always, I always find those things on on different sites, and uh, they just and put some little comment about it. Sometimes it's so bad, I just say no comment. So, 
Jeez. All right. Well, that I, I wanted to promote that uh, that newsletter that comes out every Monday morning early, as you said, about five twenty in, in the morning. Good thing to have. And again, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, to that one and to uh, your email address if you don't mind get that getting out. Sure, there. sure. All That'd right. be good. Okay. Well, um, uh, let's ask Frank for a second. Uh, thinking about the uh, next Engineering Academy that's coming up, Frank, uh, and that's toward the end of. Um, February, February, right? February. February. What's what's right. the starting date on that? Right. 26. The 26. Okay. 26. 26. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. For, uh, uh, well, let's say actually, Larry, you 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 teach the first couple of days, don't you? Yeah, it's actually a, it's a five day course, or really four days, uh, one day for testing. If but the first day covers basic electronics, which uh, Frank mm-hmm. and I both are firm believers, and uh, people need to understand the basics. What makes this stuff work? And so we go mm-hmm. through the basics, like uh, as uh, Frank was talking about. But we we'll start with Ohm law, and uh, the, really the atom. <laughs> That's the first screen we, first slide in our in our PowerPoint is the atom. We talk about how the atom is put together, because if you don't understand how the atom works, you won't understand how electricity flows. If you don't understand how electricity flows, then you don't know how your transmitter works. So that's how it works together. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, we actually cover all about audio, both analog and digital, and we uh, and digital audio workstations because everybody now has thrown away their their splicing blocks and their uh, razor blades. And I used to the joke I always tell is those those splicing blocks and razor blades. There was more more DNA on those splicing blocks from from employees than, than anything <laughs> else. Uh, Wednesday is when Frank comes over and he does RF. It goes through the, the history and uh, the development of RF, how it's generated, and transmitters, transmission lines, and antennas. And we also go actually show directional AMs and stuff like that. So uh, that's all RF. And then Thursday is basic station operation. And in that uh, that day, we actually cover stuff like uh, EAS, uh, the um uh, FCC rules and regulations, and good engineering practices. Friday is sort of reserved for any student that wish, wishes to take the SBE exam. We proctor the exams for people that, that want to take that. So that's what we do on Friday. So that's that's sort of the way the, the week is laid out. Let me hang with you then for a minute, Larry. Um, when I first saw this, and I thought, well, on Monday you're teaching really basic uh, electric theory about resistance and, and AC and DC, and then resistors and capacitors and, and inductors. And I'm thinking, well, is that is that boring for us old time engineers like like me and you, or are there things that we still need to pick up on so we're all on the same page going forward from that? Well, we thought about that. The, the The course was actually designed back in 2012, and it was actually designed to help bring in a new uh, group of engineers to replace all of us old guys that's aging out. And so we we knew that the new guys coming in needed that basic information because they probably didn't didn't know about capacitors and inductors and, and tubes and stuff that way. So that's why we started it that way. But we noticed that in addition to new people that wanted to get into the broadcast engineering field, uh, we had a lot of seasoned engineers coming in uh, primarily to learn about new technologies because we, we teach all the new technologies as well. And so... About 
several years into it, I actually quizzed some of the old guys, the seasoned engineers that did they feel that was too much basic? Should we take that out? And almost every one of them said, oh, no, I really enjoy it because these things I have forgotten. I haven't used them so long. I forgot about them. And it was a good refresher course for me. So we've left it in there. Wow. Okay. Good. And I, uh, it seems like th there may be a bit of a divide between the engineers who grew up with tubes and then moved into solid state and people maybe who have come up just more recently who haven't dealt with tubes. And so you teach both. What would, in, in your teaching, uh, Larry, what would you say is the, uh, what are some of the biggest differences between teaching about the way tubes work and their role in broadcast gear and the way solid state transistors and other solid state devices work? What, what are some of the biggest contrasts? Uh, nothing. <laughs> what Remember, I do okay. is, I, <laughs> no, I, I teach tube theory. And we actually, uh, I actually have a, uh, of course, we have drawings of an inside of a tube, and I actually have a breakaway tube that uh, that I actually swung a deal with the tube manufacturer at the NAB one year. They had one uh, sitting on the table taken apart where you could see the grids and, and uh, the filaments and all that. And so I said, man, I'd love to have one of those. So we sat down and talked about, we sort of swung a trade deal, and they sent me one. So that theory... You can talk about grids and filaments and stuff all day long, but when the, for them to actually see it, that makes a lot more sense. Now, when we move over to the solid state, I have them sitting side by side, and the transistor is the same as the tube. You just call the elements different, gates and emitters and collectors. It's the same thing as a control grid and a filament and a plate. So the transition from tube to uh, solid state is really easy to transfer because if you know how a tube works, then you, you can automatically pick up how the transistor works because it's the same thing. It just doesn't use as much power and, and has some other features. So I'm, I'm guessing, though, that, that people uh, who then understand what tubes and transistors can do, Frank, that's got to play right into your hands when you start talking about RF, doesn't it? Well, that's true. Uh, we we look at the tube transmitter originally uh, at, at the beginning because there's still a few of those out there, uh, quite a few of the FMs, as a matter of fact, and uh, very few of the AMs, but we look at it. And when Larry was talking about the difference between tubes and uh, transistors, I like to say the difference is about 10,000 volts. But uh, <laughs> other than that, you... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they work basically the same. They're current, transistors are current-driven, and uh, tubes, of course, are voltage-driven uh, units. But uh, when we do the RF section, we, uh, we start off basic two, just like Larry was explaining. Uh, you've got people out there in the class. You never know. We've, uh, I was surprised when I did the first couple of classes how many seasoned engineers were there. And uh, and they're sitting next to people that uh, were IT people that didn't know anything, have never seen a transmitter, never worked with uh, with RF or anything like that, or even you know amplifiers. And uh, so that's why we kind of uh, start off with waves and wavelength, how uh, you know what the difference is, how to measure them, uh, and uh, we. We do that first. We did a little history before all that of how radio began. Uh, you know, Sarnoff and uh, Marconi and uh, 
just just the the beginning of it and w uh, the the up the up upcoming stations that people were putting on stations and i like to say major armstrong we we talk quite a bit about him because he had a lot to do with both am and fm uh and how him and sardoff got together and and really uh were adversaries quite a bit because uh, Major Armstrong wanted to put FM on in about the 1930s, and uh, Sarnoff didn't want to because he had all these big monster fancy uh, AM radios that he wanted to sell. But after we do the we do the wave theory, we teach wave wavelength uh, relationship between wavelength and frequency. Why you want to know the wavelength, uh, and that that kind of plays into the antenna theory when we start with uh, AM. Our first half of the uh, course is on AM. Uh, We do that normally in the mornings, and we go through the theory of AM, the difference between AM and FM, and uh, we how AM is generated. We uh, show the different types of transmitters. We start with the old uh, low-level modulated transmitters uh, that are no longer in existence anymore. Uh, We... Mm -hmm. uh, we work our way through plate modulated transmitters and the big improvement they were over that efficiency. And then we worked into the old uh, pulse width modulation transmitters, the PDMs like the, the Gates, uh, MW5s, and MW50s. And then we work mm-hmm. our way on up to uh, the digital transmitters, the new ones now that uh, are, uh, you know, a lot more efficient. So you're talking about the difference of like uh, they're 90, about 95 to 99 percent efficient and where the old tube transmitters were in the 70s to 80 percent or less than that. If they were tubes, it was actually 30 percent because of the filaments you had to worry about. But then we uh, uh, we get into directional antennas. We do just very basic on that. Uh, most people don't, when you tell them that the on an AM station that the uh, tower is the antenna, they're amazed by that. And the biggest yes. thing that... <laughs> The biggest thing that amazes them on that is it's sitting on a glass insulator or a porcelain insulator. <laughs> and they're saying, how does we, it sit there? My, uh, my daughter is in town. She lives in Trinidad. And okay. her fiancé, they flew up a few days ago. And his name is uh, Alistair. And we were driving yesterday by the WSM tower here in Nashville or in Brentwood, Tennessee. And I, and we pointed out to Alice, it has been sitting there for 85 years. It weighs a couple thousand tons. And that whole thing is sitting on a couple pieces of ceramic about as tall as you are, Alistair. And he just, it blew his mind. Just couldn't believe it. So yeah, I, I'm going to have some more questions for both uh, Larry and Frank. Um, I'm going to want to know when we come back from this commercial break, um, uh, we'll go through a little bit more of, of, of the syllabus, but I want to know what really lights students up. What are they surprised to know? What are they glad to know that I never knew? I never figured that out. Uh, so I'd like to know what some of the aha moments are in, in teaching, because I might have one of those myself. Um, hey, we're here with Frank Giardina and Larry Wilkins at uh, This Week in Radio Tech. We're talking about the Alabama Broadcasters Association Engineering Academy class that's coming up in about a month, uh, near the end of February. And and there's still si- time to sign up for that. We'll have a link in the show notes, and Larry, I'm sure, will tell us about that in a few minutes. Our show is brought to you in part by Broadcast Bionics. This is another great thing to learn about uh, in broadcasting. It has to do with uh, with running stations digitally. And this is uh, I'm going to talk about their virtual rack 
product. You know, we've dealt with equipment racks all of our lives as broadcast engineers. And now you can put so much broadcast engineering or broadcast infrastructure equipment into a virtualized environment. You know, what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, here's a, here's an audio processor that's not, you know, doesn't have four holes to run screws through it and stick it in the rack and plug it in separately. We're going to put an audio processor into a computer. Um, uh, let if Suncast, if you could pop that uh, web page up of broadcast by, there we go. Uh, here's a good slogan, broadcast hardware that isn't hard, rapidly deploy containerized broadcast products. And this is not only from Telos Alliance, my employer, I'm delighted to have a number of uh, uh, virtual products in there, but also products from Sound4 and from 2WCOM. So there's different containerized broadcast products available. We just had a, a staff meeting at TELUS Alliance this morning, and this came up again and again, the things that you can do with virtual rack. Now, TELUS has their own ways of, of doing things, and you can also spin these up yourself on your own hardware. But I tell you, the broadcast bionics people have made this so easy. It's kind of like you, you, you get the virtual rack, which is a physical server, and you plug it in, and you browse into it and you've got like an app store of broadcast equipment applications so you can spin up an audio console or two or three or four of them you can spin up uh, a broadcast on-air phone system specifically the telos vxs you can spin up the forza audio processor in this you can uh, spin up audio processing from um, Sound 4 and from 2WCOM. If you need a bunch of codecs, for example, you can spin that up with 2WCOM. And all of the heavy-duty background management is done for you because I got to tell you, broad, you know, containers, uh, Docker containers uh, that run in Linux, in a, in a way, they're simple and cool. In a way, there's a lot going on in the background that needs to get set up. Uh, whole, you know, virtual networks inside the computer and IP addresses and all that kind of stuff. And you can do all that with an easy management console uh, in virtual rack. There's two different sizes of virtual rack that are available. Um, there is a, a smaller one and a larger one, and, and each has more, less or more computing power. And you're given a certain number of, I think they call them application units. So you can spin up, you know, up to the maximum number of application units. You also have facilities for uh, failover. If you want to buy a couple of these virtual rack products from Broadcast Bionics, you can get a couple, have automatic failover, just really cool stuff. There's videos. In fact, we're showing that now on the screen. Thanks, Suncast. Uh, videos on the Broadcast Bionics website that you can watch, and Dan McQuillan will explain a lot more about how this works, more than I can explain in, in two minutes, and Dan is an expert at this. Plus, you could go back to uh, last summer and see Dan McQuillan on uh, this week in Radio Tech, explaining for a full hour how virtual rack works and a lot of the advantages and conveniences about doing it. I got to see this demonstrated at the last NAB show. I'm sure we'll see it again at this upcoming NAB show. And people are just loving this product. Virtual rack from Broadcast Bionics. You should check it out. Go to uh, you can go to um, their website, uh, bionic.co.uk, bionics.co.uk, uh, or bionic, singular, bionic.radio. We've got links in the show notes, and you don't have to be a Linux expert to make this work. You browse in, click what you want. Uh, you do have to license them separately, of course, from their respective manufacturers, and uh, then away you go. 
All right. Thanks a lot, Broadcast Bonics, for sponsoring This Week in Radio Tech. I'm Kirk Harnack. Uh, it's our 680th episode. Thanks for joining us. And Frank Giardina and Larry Wilkins are with us. Um, Frank, you were, you were mentioning some names there like Sarnoff and Marconi and Armstrong. And I bet you don't let Larry Wilkins leave because you know he was contemporary with with these famous guys, wasn't he? <laughs> I, I, me and Larry are close together, so we, we both know him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you both are. Oh my gosh! Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, yeah. uh, so you, you know, the, I the, mentioned somebody asked me one time. They said, uh, "You've been in this business a long time, have you?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "The best I can remember." It's been a long time, but I think the first remote I did was I set up a Marty at the parting of the Red Sea. So, uh, <laughs> that's how I guess. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, since, since Larry's been talking, I want to return to Larry. So, I asked this question before the break. Uh, what are some of the aha moments? What are some of the things that people seem to be uh, most glad to learn? And go ahead and get specific if, if you'd like to. You know what? Uh, uh, you, you mentioned the modeling of, of a tube and what it does, Larry. What are some other things that people go, oh, that's how that works? I, I, one of the first ones that caught my attention that people really sit up and take notice of is we talk about the human ear. I actually have a drawing of the inside of a human ear because I think it's very important for a broadcast engineer, especially when they're working with with the processors and everything, to understand how the ear actually works. It's a it's a fabulous. Uh, piece of machinery that we have and how the the cochlear if you know you remember your classes in in high school on health classes there's there's something called the cochlear in there and it uh, has uh it's curled up and if you look up uh cochlear it's a greek word meaning snail uh so i guess that's why they call it a cochlear but it has little hairs in there and they they start at the beginning being real short and respond to the real fast movement of uh, uh, air uh, motions. So that will be the high frequencies. And the further you go back, then it begins to be much longer. And so so that type stuff really attracts attention. And we sort of show people how the human ear works and why it's so important to keep that in mind when you're adjusting an audio processor because it, it's really uh, my, my old friend, uh, Andrew Shep, who is a, a, uh, a Grammy-winning mix engineer always says it, it's really how you invoke a positive response to the listener. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. not about you. It's not about the PD. It's how does the listener respond to what you're broadcasting? So you have to sort of understand how the ear works to understand how to set the processor up because you can really, you can make it sound really, really good, but you can do some adjustments wrong and it will sound terrible. So I think that's one of the things that really most people don't really know or engineers don't really realize what goes on in the human ear. So that's one of them. And along the same line, when we start talking about A to D converters, uh, people know that we're digital now. We're not not much as analog anymore. But how does it how does it uh, 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 analog waveform? How does it get changed over to ones and zeros? And so we go through that and we teach how to count binary because it's very important. So those are two big things I think that that, that really uh, stand out and they get excited about. Uh, when we talk about uh, when we get into station operations, we go through EAS rather thoroughly 
because as most people know on this uh, on this webinar that the commission's rather uh, stickler on making sure your EAS is operating properly so we have two units sitting in in our uh, training center and we can actually delve into them and show them how it works and go through the rules and regulations of exactly what you're supposed to do now there's plenty of other things but that's that's several that uh, people really enjoy covering Nice, nice. I, I, I like that. And I'm, I'll try to find some um, uh, further uh, reading on the uh, cochlea and uh, the little hairs inside your ear. Uh, I, it's interesting. You know, for years we've we've kind of talked about the science of psychoacoustics, and and that implies, of course, how your brain is hearing it. But I think we also we're missing something if we don't mention, and I don't know if this is a word or not, uh, physio psychoacoustics and that is you know what what about your hearing gets tired uh when if you're trying to adjust processing for hours on end you're not very good at it after after a while you need to take a break and maybe even an overnight break i know i've worked on processing late at night thought i had done great back to the hotel next morning get up get in the rental car and it's like oh that's no good <laughs> we got to get back to the transfer site Oh, that's exactly right. It, yeah. It, yeah, you you can't uh, you can't adjust a processor in fifteen to thirty minutes. It takes sometimes uh, weeks uh, to get it sounding like you want to, and you've got to learn to make minute changes on just one thing. You can't go in there and turn a whole bunch of things and and fix it. Then you don't know what was right and what was wrong. So mm. you can actually the modern day processors obviously have presets. And that's a good idea. Uh, although I will mention this because I heard uh, 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 John Cooper, who was the front of house engineer for Bruce Springsteen for years, he talks about that. He said presets in any type of equipment are good, but if it says uh, modern rock, it could, it would, it may sound good on modern country, or, or classical may sound good on a rock station. It's just an algorithm that somebody said, "Hey, this fits better." So try all the different presets, and then you can go and uh, tweak them. Well, you're right about about the uh, ear fatigue is what we call it. The ear, uh, as most of you know, has its own processor. It has an automatic gain control, and it has an automatic equalizer in it. And if, mm -hmm. you, if you've ever been by something loud, I had a jump, dump truck come by and I bought some sand to put in my yard. And like an idiot, I was standing close to the, the dump truck. And as he dumped all it off, you know, they shake that. So they shake all the sand out of that big steel uh, tailgate. Went wham, wham. And when it did, I couldn't hear for about an hour. So your ear pulls things down. Uh, to protect itself so if you if you try to adjust processing or uh if some and a lot of engineers and we'll touch on this later but there's a lot of engineers involved in live sound and mixing as well but if you're mixing a record or you're doing anything like that don't do it over like about 15 or 20 minutes take a break go get a cup of coffee because if you listen too much your ear will trick you and what you're doing is not really like you said the next morning you wake up and say wow that sounds terrible sounded good last night but it didn't sound good today so yeah there is a thing the one of the things i'll mention about processing that that we know we create all this pristine digital audio but then because of limitations we have to do some compression 
And when you compress, you throw away some of the bits, things that, as you said, psychoacoustical analysis, it figures out what the ear can hear and what it can't hear. And if your ear and brain is not able to hear a particular sound, there's no way, no reason to waste the bits, uh, transmitting the bits for those if you're not going to hear it. The little joke that we use in our class is it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like when anything too loud, if there's anything under the, the sensitivity of the ear hearing, if it's down under that because of some loud sound, uh, you don't hear it. They don't send the bits. And the, and the joke is, it's sort of like when your mother-in-law comes to visit. If she starts talking a lot, you go in and get some ice out of the ice maker. And the ice maker makes so much noise, you don't hear your mother-in-law. So that's sort of the way compression works. I'll leave that at that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, and you know, I, I don't know if you do it now in your class, but when I first started working for Telos Alliance years ago, uh, one of the th experiments that we did, because that was kind of early days of, uh, of MP3, actually it was well before I started working there, and Steve Church had set up an audio spectrum analyzer and two tone generators. And he made a tone, let's say a kilohertz, and you could see it right there on the spectrum analyzer. And then he had a second uh, oscillator, and he made another tone pretty close to it, like 975 hertz or something like that. And and you could see it coming up on the on the spectrum analyzer, but you couldn't hear it. And he brought it up and brought it up and brought it up, and he brought it up to within about 12 dB below the, the one kilohertz tone, and you still couldn't hear it. And he, he turned mm -hmm. off the one killer and said, oh, there it is, plain as day. But mm -hmm. then they turned the one killer back on, and you couldn't hear it. And then, and then he says, that's what masking is all about. And right. masking is a real thing. It, it really is. Now, you might get over-aggressive with the masking, and there's there's ways for that to go wrong. But it's a known phenomenon, and it, and it really works. And I tell you, that visual and audio uh, experiment was so telling. It was just um, amazing how that worked. So, now. Hey, uh, let's let's hear from Frank. Frank, we get into your uh, your RF uh, talk, and uh, I'm sure there's some aha moments going on there. What what are students mostly uh, surprised at or surprised to learn about? Well, a lot of times they're uh, really surprised over the uh, how it's actually generated and goes across the air. They you they say, how does that happen? You know, and why does it? Uh, uh, why do I hear this station? here and why can at night and i can't hear it during the day for example on am and you have to get into uh, the ionosphere and and the atmospherics on it and uh, another one will call they get amazed well how does this work when uh, when i'm hearing an fm station uh down the road and i can't hear the one in town well then you get back into weather conditions and atmosphere and uh, they get they get really surprised about that uh, another thing they get surprised about is uh, the uh, how directional antennas, and we just go to towers and do the basics on that, mm -hmm. and uh, they're amazed that you can actually, and I tell them it's kind of like a balloon. You squeeze one end of it, it goes further out the other end, and uh, <laughs> they learn, yeah. that, learn it that way. And I said the non-directional is just a big round balloon, but you squeeze it, you, you got some people over here you want to uh, hit, you squeeze this end of it to shoot it over that way. But and you do that all electrically with phase and power levels, and uh, a lot of things we get to, in the afternoons when we get into FM and FM antennas. That's another thing they get uh, interested in. First of all, we have to get over the dB hurdle, hurdle because mm -hmm. uh, explaining mm -hmm. the decibel to them sometimes gets a little 
area that you see them glaze over. But uh, we do that to show them how to uh, determine the power level, the ERP, and how much power it takes to get, say, a 50-kilowatt ERP. And you got the transmission line and a three-bay antenna or four-bay antenna, whatever you got. How much power does a transmitter, transmitter have to have? And we do it with the DB <clears throat> method, and we back it down. And they say, well, why are we subtracting when your antenna has gain? And then you have to explain. And then they finally, it's it's funny when they when they realize, oh, I see why we have to do that, and uh, that that goes over real well with them. And the and the hands on in the afternoon class, we do a lot of hands on. I have a, uh, a VNA, and uh, we will uh, show them uh, basically reinforcing Larry's teachings in the mornings for the uh, for or in the uh, other classes about components like capacitors and inductors and things like that. We will pull out an inductor. We'll put it on the VNA and show them as the, you know, the resistance goes up as the frequency goes up <laughs> and the resistance goes down or the impedance goes down as, as it goes lower in frequency and the capacitor is just the opposite. And then we show a resonant circuit and when they see how a resonant circuit works, they really light up because they'll because on the VNA you'll see the capacitive capacitive reactants go down, the inductive reactants come up, and then the phase shift right in the middle. And I say, you see that line right there where it just automatically just jumps down the phase line. That's where you're at resonance. And then they 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 get excited about when you tell them how oh I could filter a station out with that or I could do this and make an amplifier it it gets interesting and then the best part is when we bring out the uh, SDR software defined radio oh. and then we we put it up on the screen there and tune in different stations and uh, explain to them oh look at that you know what is that what is that there and you're saying that's the pilot signal well why do you have a pilot signal to take care of the subcarrier uh, you really don't need the sub, uh, you know, you and uh, you don't need two si- side bands on the subcarrier. They, they you, t- you have to explain to them that, but you, uh, but you do have two side bands. And in fact, nowadays, uh, some of the uh, processors don't have it. They'll do single side band on the subcarriers. Well, why yeah. doesn't that affect the audio? Well, it doesn't because you don't all everything's contained in both side bands and stuff like that. But they get, they get, uh, and I love the questions when they come up with the questions because they have some great questions and that's what drives, that what drives me. And I'm sure it, it, it drives Larry too. And when they go into questions, it can steer you off into a different uh, area, but so you have to answer their questions, but then bring them back uh, to where yeah. you were. So you don't lose representation on it. Well, and of course, People with your experience, uh, and maybe I could do a bit of this too. But fr- Frank, you and, and Larry, yeah, you can. You understand the context in which they're asking the question, as, as, and right. and you and then you can answer that and steer them right back into the into where you're going. That's the that's the benefit of a teacher that really knows what they're talking about. Larry, did I hear you wanting to say something? Um, no, maybe not. Oh, okay, <laughs> no. okay, okay, okay. That's um, the first yeah, time we are. <laughs> 
<laughs> we we got plenty plenty more to cover. I want to hear some more about the actual process of uh, of teaching. I really appreciate these examples, uh, Larry. Both you and Frank have have given, and we've got uh, uh, some more minutes to talk about here. I want to remind our guests that at the end of the show, um, because I forgot to tell them before, because I always forget, uh, we're looking for a tip of the week from each uh, Frank and Larry uh, when we come to the very end of the show, and that'll be in about uh, uh, 15, 20 minutes from now. I'm Kirk Harnack. It's This Week in Radio Tech. It's our 680th show, so thank you for supporting us. And our show is brought to you this week in part by Angry Audio, as they always do. Uh, Chris isn't here to tell you about uh, Angry Audio mic processing or stream processing, so I'm going to tell you about something that I installed just a few months ago at my station in Oxford, Mississippi, and that's the Angry Audio Guest Gizmo. I I love this thing. This if this make this will make you look like an expert engineer and an expert carpenter at the same time. <laughs> that's that's pretty good when you get get to look like two experts in one. And the reason it makes you look good is because the box is squares. If you're looking at the screen, you can see that the, it comes in a in a square can, if you will, with this uh, larger um, top on it, th- th- this larger cover. So what you do, you don't have to be an expert with a jigsaw. You just drill a round hole, two and three quarter inches. Uh, before I drilled my holes, I went down to the local Ace Hardware store and got me a brand new hole saw with that cut like butter, as they say, right through the countertop. So I had to make sure it's in the right place. I sure did. And cut this round hole. And once that was cleared, dropped the guest gizmo right into that hole and wow it just looks so professional so sweet so nice i've shown it on the show before uh but it's it looks like i like routed the thing out it looks so good then i ran my cables to it the power cable and my audio cables used a uh one of the studio hub adapters to go from ethernet you know cat5 uh cable uh, into a couple of uh, quarter-inch tip-ring sleeve connectors to bring the audio in. And in my studio, I didn't have a, a real need to wire the cough switch, so I didn't do that. But I made it at, at a later date. It's on a little 3.5-millimeter connector. And this guest gizmo is just awesome. It's got the, the headphone amp uh, built into it. So you just feed it the line-level audio uh, from the console for the guests, the guest headphones, and... Uh, they get their own uh, uh, volume adjustment right there. They get all the volume that they want. It, it's it's so well designed, and oh my goodness, it's so clean. It just sounds great. I know I'm excited about this thing. I've installed them myself. Uh, Mike Dosh, Catfish, uh, the owner of Angry Audio, told me how easy these things were to install, and I'm going to tell you, it made me look like a champ in two different ways. So check it out, if you will, from Angry Audio, the website, angryaudio.com, and you can get Angry Audio gear from just about any broadcast dealer on the planet. They, their, their tentacles are, are everywhere, all over the world, so check them out. Thanks a lot. Uh, another product that uh, is just so cool that I've heard and played with a bit, and that is from Max Connect. Now, I've talked about Max Connect for years from their Max Connect wireless uh, offering, which they still offer, gives you a prioritized cellular data. So your data gets through even when there's lots of people around you having difficulty. Uh, so it works great. Um, but this is the uh, Max Connect U192. What does that mean? Well, it's a USB interface. And it samples at 192 kilohertz. That means that it samples plenty fast to give you the full FM baseband. Mm-hmm. So you, if you have an audio processor that runs in a computer, like that from Stereo Tool or like that from um, 
Breakaway, or like the one that I'm familiar with, the Omnia SST, you can take this uh, U192 MPX USB sound card, plug it into a USB connection on your computer. It uses the native drivers, not special drivers that might screw up. It's the native Windows basic drivers, uh, but operates at 192 kilohertz. And there you go. It, it'll, it'll, it'll create the MPX signal, the analog MPX signal for your FM exciter. So this is the connection between your FM, uh, your FM processor running in a computer, which plenty of people are starting to do these days, and your FM exciter. So there's lots of ways to get this done. You can you can have the the uh, computer and the U192 at the transmitter side if you like, or if you have a uh, an analog STL or even a digital one that carries MPX, uh, you can have this at the studio and run the output of the U192 into your STL. So several scenarios that make this all work. And from and Max Connect has really designed this thing correctly. By the way, they actually designed this in conjunction with Angry Audio. So you know it's really good quality, high quality power supply, proper grounding throughout. You don't get any extra noise from, from that. And it's just a wonderful box from Max Connect Wireless. You can check it out at maxconnect.com, the uh, U192. Love this box. Thanks, Josh Bone, for having some vision to see that, man, the industry needs this. There's applications where it works well. Appreciate uh, both Angry Audio and Max Connect. Dot com for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. Hey, I'm Kirk Harnack. I'm sorry, Chris Tarr is handling a transmission line blowout today and uh, getting that taken care of. I'm here with Larry Wilkins and Frank Giardina, and we're talking about the Alabama Broadcasters Association Engineering Academy. Now, they have, Larry, you've got one for radio. That's the one coming up uh, here at the end of February, but you've got another one later in the year. What's that one about? That's television. We, we do two sessions. Uh, uh, normally, we do two sessions in the uh, spring and two in the fall. We do one week for radio and one week for television. The classes are similar with the exception of the Wednesday session, which obviously for radio, Frank covers all the radio stuff. And then on in the television, the Wednesday session is all about uh, video and uh, television transmitters. So that's coming up uh, in April, I think it is. So we have a lot of uh, television engineers come in for that as well. And we'll be repeating both the radio uh, and the television again uh, next fall. One, one thing now, uh, you were mentioning, uh, if I can, uh, Max yeah. Connect is actually the underwriter for the Engineering Academy. So uh, oh, they've been with us okay. for a long, long time. So uh, that helps us. Uh, we haven't got to this, talk about this yet, but the one thing about our academy, there is no cost. It is free. Uh, and that is because of the support of Max Connect, and they underwrite all of our uh, expenses that we have for the, for the academy. So uh, we will thank them for that as well. Uh, one other thing I want to, just a real funny, quick, funny story. You were talking about the, uh, the little box that you installed at your Mississippi station that had the cough button. If yeah. you begin to use a cough button, make sure you train the people how to use it. Uh, I used to work with a sports network, and we would do a coach's show on Thursday night with the head coach. And this coach always had an, an incessive cough problem. He was always coughing. So I installed this NOS cough button on his desk. But what he would do is he'd go, <coughs> then push the button. I said, no, 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 that's, 
you're supposed to push the button before you call, but he would call and then push the button. So make sure that you train your people when to push the cough button. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I would love if, if you could add something to your, uh, your academy sometime. Um, we mentioned Mike Dosh at uh, Angry Audio. This guy has forgotten more about audio than, than most people learn. And one of the things that's actually kind of critical uh, is how you design a cough button. Now, a lot of people would just short the mic input, and you can do that. But, but Mike Dosh uh, spent an hour explaining to me one time why that's really not the ideal way to do it. And he explained how the, the mic preamp circuitry works, especially in the presence of phantom power, but even without phantom power, um, that, that uh, you, you really need a more sophisticated way to do this than to just short the input. And I, you know, I understood it for a few minutes at the time he explained it, and then I think I've forgotten what it was. But you know, but it was really actually pretty critical about what you what you short out or what what, what you squelch. And if you don't do it right, you can actually get a nice pop downline that uh, that is not so pleasant to to listen to. It's often not a problem, but it's it could be a problem depending on the circuit design. So anyway, uh, so he says. The guest gizmo is properly designed, and you will never get a pop when you <laughs> mute and, and unmute. So he took a, a lot yeah, of care there, for that. There's a way to do that, and uh, you, you don't want to just short the mic. You will get a pop, and that just this doesn't sound really good. I want to uh, talk a bit about uh, the the program on Thursday. So that's the fourth day of, of the program. Again, uh, this is the uh, Engineering Academy we're talking about. Uh, Monday. Basic electronics, uh, Tuesday, a lot about audio, digital and analog. Wednesday, Frank jumps in and starts into uh, RF, all kinds of RF, AM, FM, and, and digital uh, techniques. But on Thursday, it's a lot more about uh, operations and rules and regulations. Uh, maybe both of you could uh, take turns answering this. Um, Larry, you first. What are, what are people surprised to learn about the way station operations actually work or engineering operations actually work? Well, what we tried to explain to them that being an engineer at a station is not all technical. There's a lot of legal, a lot of paperwork, stuff you have to do to, to comply. Uh, the FCC, as everybody knows, they're the governmental agency that oversees handing out uh, f frequency spectrums. And they have to have some rules and regulations. They just can't let everybody get a frequency and start broadcasting in every corner of the city. Uh, everybody needs to play fair. So that's what we try to do. We try to explain to them the basic rules. Now, obviously, it's not anything that would be interesting to sit down and try to read the rules and regulations on a Sunday afternoon because it's very boring. But we right. sort of put it together in what's important and what you need to look after uh, as far as the, the different things that the rules state that you need to do. And one, as we mentioned earlier, is EAS, making sure that uh, that everybody complies with the rules concerning EAS and, and the forms that you have to fill out, uh, tower light monitoring, and uh, we do go through a lot of the rules and explain why they're important and how you're supposed to do that and, and the forms that you're supposed to uh, fill out as well. So that's what we cover uh, during on, on, on Thursday. We spend a lot of time, too, on good engineering practices. Uh, 
and um, sharing things that that we that I have learned and Frank has learned over the years that you sort of find out that as an engineer, you may be doing something that you've done for years, but you may find somebody else is doing the same thing and doing it a different way. And you say, wow, I never thought about that. So we sort of talk about that as well on Thursday. Uh, Frank, I wonder if you could uh, uh, address for a minute the question about being part of a team. And, you know, a lot of people get into engineering because, well, they're introverted and they they like dealing with equipment better than they like dealing with people. Uh, You know, if I like dealing with people a lot, I might have gone into sales. Right. That's why I became an engineer. Uh, How do you help engineers understand their responsibility with with the other human beings at, at the broadcast facility? Well, basically, what I what I like to do is, is basically what uh, I did is that I, I go in at eight thirty or seven o'clock actually in the mornings, and uh, I'm there. I, I dress like an engineer. I dress like a normal person. I don't dress in mm-hmm. you know weird t-shirts, torn t-shirts, and and blue jeans. Uh, I I I dress for management because the engineer has to work both with managers and with the staff. You know, but I'm one of the guys. Uh, I started off as a program director uh, in Birmingham, and and uh, I've always liked electronics and got into engineering. So I had that uh, background that I knew how to relate to the uh, air staff and things like that. But uh, you need to be present. You need to be involved. You need to put yourself in the middle of the operation. Uh, if they need something, they're going to always come to the engineer. Uh, oh, you know, the, the ladies room commode is stopped up. Okay, fine. I'll call the plumber. You know, that's how, how it works <laughs> in a real station operation. And I've got six of them with cumulus in Birmingham. And, uh, you, I started off with one AM station and worked away to two, uh, AM FMs. And then the FCC saw fit to, uh, increase the ownership rules. And now I've got six of them. But uh, it, there's a lot of time that you have to to work on those six radio stations, and you have to be interested because you've got a lot of egos there in your programming people. You don't want them to make think that oh I'm a he's he likes that station and he he ignores us when we have a problem, and that's one thing you have to treat them all equally. You know. Uh, Back years ago when I was a full-time contract engineer, uh, I would typically walk in the station, and one of the first things I'd ask, either the program director or perhaps the the uh, announcer that was on the air at the time, I said, uh, do you have anything in here that's annoying you right now? Your, your headphones okay? Are there any lights burned out? Back when we had light bulbs. Are there any lights <laughs> burned out on the cart machines or the, or the console? And, and, you know, a lot of these things you could take care of in 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. the jock would just think you were wonderful. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then the manager would come by, look at his watch and say, what are you charging me right now? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, that, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. A lot of people think that the engineer stays at the transmitter and hides, but, uh, don't be that way, you know, and, uh, and, and I've worked as contract too, and I know what you're talking about. They'll come in. Uh, how much is this car? Can, can you do that a little faster? You know, we really don't need that done right now. Sort of. But, well, um, 
uh, so, so we we got just a, a minute before our next uh, our, our last uh, spot break, and uh, I, I guess you know we got I want to save a tip of the week for after the spot break. Um, Larry or, or Frank, is there anything that you'd like to to finish up with? Uh, we we'll have a couple of uh, housekeeping duties, like you know again where to register. Uh, Larry, you said it was free, and I'm reading fifty bucks, but something about a refund. Is that if I don't like you, I get a refund? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> no, that $50 is to save you a seat. And if you if you get there, if you attend, that $50 is refunded. So uh, ah. we, we, we did not, when we got started back in 2012, the president of the ABA, uh, Sharon Tinsley, said we don't want cost to be a factor of, of engineers not attending. So, but we did put that in there just to make sure that they get a seat. And when they attend on Monday, uh, normally we don't even run their credit card. You no, know, but they get their money back if they if they paid ahead. So it is free. So you get paid fifty bucks for warming the seat. Sound that sounds good. <laughs> Frank, any <laughs> last word you'd like to get before we come back for our tip of the week? Anything you'd like to, to say we haven't emphasized yet, Frank? Uh, basically, uh, the the class is for everyone, not only the people in Alabama, but we have a a quite a bunch of people that come from far away. Like Larry said at one time, or we had people from Alaska. Uh, we have mm. people from uh, California, you know, up North is, is a good place. Cause when it's the winter time and we have a summer class or, or a, a, a winter class, they'll come there to avoid the snow or something like that. But, <laughs> but, and there's all kinds of people that come in there. And so don't, if you're interested at all in radio and want to know just a little bit about engineering, uh, come and we can teach you a lot. That that's cool that you do get people from all over the place. I'd love to be down there for the whole week. I can come down for one day for our our tort uh, show on on Thursday. Hey, it's this week in Radio Tech. Frank Giardina with Cumulus in Birmingham is with us. Also, Larry Wilkins with the Alabama Broadcasters Association is with us as well. We're talking about the uh, uh, Engineering Academy coming up at the end of February. Uh, again, in the show notes uh, for this show, we'll we'll have uh, some details there. Um, and we've got a quick announcement from Broadcasters General Store and Vox Pro, and we'll be right back with our tips of the week. Hey, what's happening? St. John here coming to you from Command Central and wanted to tell you about the absolute best partner you can have in radio. I'm talking about, boom, Wheatstone's Vox Pro. Now, a lot of folks have used... Uh, previous versions of Vox Pro, all awesome, but I want to tell you about some of my favorite new features in 7, and for folks who've never used Vox Pro before, I'm about to tell you why it's an absolute game changer and essential for really fast-paced multi-element radio. Lots of different audio software out there. Why Vox Pro? Because, uh, duh, it was designed for radio. It's the only software designed to do what we needed to do, which is record, edit, playback in real time. When I say lightning fast, I'm going to show you how fast you can edit stuff up in Vox Pro right now. Literally three clicks on the controller, mark left, mark right, everything that gets marked, you hit delete, it goes away. It's literally that fast. So we're going to take this part right here. Boy, help. Nine. Boom. From caller nine to him saying, I'm ready. Five. I'm ready for that secret sound. Boom. All of that stuff, hit delete, it goes away. Here's your edit. Two are tackling secret sound, caller nine. I'm ready, St. John. So one of the best features of version 7, this is awesome, it's effects macros, and you can literally put a chain of effects together so that instead of uh, having to normalize a phone bit and then uh, use noise reduction on it and EQ it and all that, you can literally build a chain. One button, this button, this one's called call right here, I just click that, 
All of those processes happen instantaneously. Literally saves 80% of your editing and cleanup time. Final thing that I love about Vox Pro, and there's so much more to get into, but uh, one of my favorite things, you can load it on a laptop. I've literally done my show from a hotel room in Armenia to uh, the conference room at, yeah, this was fun, jury duty. Great thing, no one could tell the difference. Vox Pro makes it totally easy. Telling you, if you're looking for the best on-air partner, call my friends at Wheatstone, ask them about Vox Pro, and you will be glad you did. And if you want to get one uh, at a discount, you call Broadcasters General Store. You can call them at, literally at 62, uh, 352-622-7700. Phone number's on the website, even if I can't remember it right. 352-622-7700 or go to uh, bgs.cc for Broadcasters General Store in Ocala, Florida. They are some awesome people. Love them all. Uh, and I've uh, been dealing with them for years and years. Thanks a lot, BGS and Vox Pro. I'm Kurt Harnack. It's episode 680 of This Week in Radio Tech. And uh, as usual, I have uh, uh, placed the uh, responsibility upon my guests to come up with a tip of the week. And I did so at the last minute, um, uh, not giving them proper preparation. So let's see how they do. <laughs> uh, who wants to go? Who wants to go first? Uh, Frank, you're in the middle of my screen. How about how about you go first with a tip? Oh, no problem. It's uh, time management is my tip. And visit your transmitter site once a week. Take time to go to the transmitter, look around, smell, sight, and and make sure and look at your meters or whatever. If you have digital meters or whatever, make sure they're all right. It only takes you about 10 minutes, and it will save you an off-the-air time because you will be able to find a problem very quickly. Just visit the transmitter site. And hey, you can you can pick up a sandwich on your way out there and and uh, there even go. eat out there. But don't but don't leave any food out there because the bugs and the mice will find it. You don't want them. Yeah, Larry, that's true. <laughs> oh, Larry, okay. what do you think? That, as I as I mentioned earlier, you know, every engineer needs to develop the trait of becoming a lifelong learner. This technology is changing at such a tremendous rate, um, almost seems like daily sometimes. If you don't keep up, you won't be around very long. So become a lifelong learner. Keep up with what's changing and what's going on. Good, good advice. Good advice. Uh, we've been talking about this um, uh, engineering academy, and it's easy to register. The website, uh, it's the Alabama Broadcasters uh, Association website. It's al-ba.com, uh, as in Alabama-Broadcasters Association, al-ba.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, there's an engineering tab. Click on that. It'll drop down, and you can register for the academy. It's easy to do. Uh, it's 50 bucks, but you get that back. So it's just to hold your seat, make sure you're going to show up, and you do not have to be an Alabama resident. You may, do you, Larry, do you have to speak Alabamian? Uh, no, 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 no. We, 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 uh, Frank and I do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I will look come. forward to seeing you. Y'all come. Y'all there come. you go. <laughs> yeah. Y'all have sweet tea, the wine of the South. Oh, yeah. We can That's get it. that for you. <laughs> yeah, sweet tea. All right. Uh, oh, oh, hey, uh, we uh, Suncast, thank you for reminding me. We've got a class photo. Uh, Larry provided this, so let's take a quick look. Here is a typical class. There you go. I see. I see a couple of people I know, and they need to be there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see three people I know. Well, good. I'm glad they're all smarter now because they needed it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, maybe maybe you speaking to the audience. Maybe you can be part of of that class. And it, it it's not ju not just for beginners. Even though they we get started on the early page, it's for literally every engineer. Right. And and you'll you'll be a better one well. for it. But for what people? Uh, for what people? That's what for IT. Yeah, there's a lot of IT ah, people yes. wanting to get into engineering, and they don't they don't have a clue about. They know how to make one box talk to another box. They just don't know what those boxes do. So they can that's get the a, well, that's training a, on what they do. That's a great point, because if you're in IT, you've got valuable skills that broadcasters can use, but you, you're going to want to know the things that, that you're really working on. What's the overall goal here? What are we trying to, to get out the antenna to the listeners? And uh, this, yeah, you're right. This is absolutely perfect for, uh, for IT-centric people who want to uh, have the opportunity to work in, in broadcasting. Wow. Good point. Good point. We got to go. Our show uh, has been all about the uh, uh, the Engineering Academy with the Alabama Broadcast Association. Larry Wilkins, thank you for being with us. I appreciate uh, you being here, especially on short notice. And same thing to you, Frank Giardina. Thank you very much for being with us. Uh, it's good to see both of you, and I look forward to seeing you in, in about a month from now. Sounds good. That'll be good. Appreciate it, Kurt. Big thanks to Suncast, our producer, on the ready as always. Really appreciate your help, Suncast. And uh, we got something new coming uh, along to This Week in Radio Tech. Um, we're going to be publishing kind of little best of segments, the key segments of each show. We're going to start publishing them uh, two, three, four days after the full show goes. So sometimes, you know, we'd appreciate you watching the full show, but it, sometimes you may not have time for that. Uh, you can watch your, this is even more reason to, uh, tune in to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, or uh, subscribe. Make sure you are following us on Facebook so that or on Twitter uh, so that you can be informed uh, no matter how this goes. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn, by the way. So we'll try to publish these things on, on all the usual places. And um, that way, if you haven't got time, if you missed the whole show, you can catch a replay of one of the key parts. And that's going to be starting in February. And uh, I so appreciate um uh, Suncast and his ideas for helping make this work. So we're going to try to make it valuable for you and, and add to your ability to partake of, of what we talk about here on This Week in Radio Tech. All right, we got to go. We'll see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye-bye. <laughs>